Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. My biggest regret was that I spent so much time going to this clinic and coming back and in and out for tests and being monitored and all of that. And at the time, I could have been with my mum. This week's episode is a little bit different. Um, this week, we are talking to Deirdre Donnelly, and she um, was so kind to come in and talk to us about her journey with fertility treatment. For a lot of people, it does work, but then there's a large amount of people where it doesn't. And Deirdre really talks about her experience and going through all the different emotions that come with that journey. I think it's a really, really important episode because so many women are going through this right now and might be listening. And I think Deirdre has a lot of insight. And I found I learned a lot even in our short chat. Fertility treatment has undoubtedly been the catalyst for joy in many couples' lives. But for a large proportion of people, the treatment just does not work. Deirdre Donnelly feels that she was given misinformation by an Irish fertility clinic when she underwent treatment nine years ago. She is here to share her family's story of false hope and loss on this week's episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for coming in and for joining us. Um, this is a different story than we've told on Grief Encounters to date. Can you tell us a little bit about your story? Um, just start off and telling us just a little bit about who you are. Well, my name is Deirdre Donnelly. I'm married with one child. My story really, I suppose, goes back to 2004. My, my son was born. It was a wonderful time. A bit of a surprise. I wasn't expecting to get pregnant when I did. I was back in college at the time. And um, basically, it was afterwards, about two years later, we were hoping for an addition to the family. And that's when I began to realise we had problems. Mm. And that's when we started down the whole infertility root infertility journey and uh, it was a kind of a very very difficult I think part of the reason being that it we weren't expecting this having had one child yeah. already and it was the first time I ever heard of secondary infertility. Mm. And how did you emotionally when you're when you start to realize that things aren't working the way they did previously and you're having to accept things that maybe you never expected coming into your life how was that we weren't really not accepting it because we thought, oh, well, you know, this this happens and it's yeah. kind of normal. And I suppose for me, I was in my late 30s at the time when my son was born. It happened for a variety of reasons. A lot of my close friends were the same age when their first child was born. And within two years, they were all expecting their second and some went on to have a third. And I think that was when I began to realise, no, there's something not quite right here. And it was probably two years after our son was born I went back to the consultant I had at the time and he suggested we go to a fertility clinic okay. and that's where the the whole story began really. So tell us about that because obviously um, this is a difficult story to tell when I mean, you had a difficult time getting to that place when you obviously even having the courage to go to that stage what was that like? What happened was that we were given some names of consultants mm. and we 
went to uh, one of the clinics. But before we even got there, I remember when I phoned, there was a couple of months of a waiting list. And that was the first problem because time is going by. Yeah, of course. Yes. So we went and I felt from the outset that uh, they could have done a lot more Mm. in the sense that we met with, I believe it was a nurse, uh, one of the uh, women looking after patients when they came in first. We filled out some forms and there never really was an offer of counselling. She mentioned the word once and it was kind of a half and open ended Mm -hmm. sentence. Have you ever thought of counselling or kind of like it was that kind of a sentence? And I, um, I, I thought, well, no, of course not. You know, that's for people who are really in a very, very difficult situation where they can't have children, that that's not us. And uh, went for scans, put on what was called Clomid for a while, went back again for more scans, blood tests, all of that. And there was a lot of paperwork involved as well. For example, after six months, they stopped the treatment because my husband hadn't driven down there to hand in his driver's license. Um, they needed his his uh, ID. Mm. I believe at the time there was a very famous case called the Sims Clinic case and that that's documented. It's, it was in the news at the time. Yeah. That wasn't the clinic I was attending, although I've heard that is a very, very good clinic. And what happened was that I believe there was an issue over ownership of, I believe, embryos right, at the time yeah. between the husband and wife who had since separated. And again, as I said, that's that, that, that was a case that was out in, in, in the open in, in the media at the time and I think there may have been a real rush to get kind of paperwork put in place for patients in all the clinics across the country at the time that may have had something to do with it but that was one issue I remember that that, that being stopped and um, blood tests came back on the wrong headed notepaper another time they were supposed to be from one hospital and not another and yeah. Treatment suspended. There were a number of absolutely crazy situations at the time. I remember that. I thought, you know, why on earth? Why are they not letting us in to get started on the treatment? But um, there were a number of of appointments and back again for more appointments. And as I said, blood tests, scans, um, medication, all of that kind of thing. And it was after maybe a year and a half. Then I started on the injections. And I think that was very, very difficult because you had to be in the house at the same time every day. They had to be kept in a fridge. Yeah, of course. So, for example, travel was restricted, Mm. um, lifestyle restricted. And that was fine. You could, you you know, you could put up with that, but you didn't know how many months this would go on for. And it was self-injecting every day with a number of different high doses of Mm. oestrogen, basically. So this um, this continued for a while. It happened to coincide with my mum getting very, very ill. She, she died of cancer the same year I discovered that this treatment I'd been going to was going to go nowhere. And she had breast cancer at the time. What I didn't realise at the time is that the shots and the medication I was being given did include high dosages of oestrogen for egg production. And that with, um, if you have a, a family member, particularly a mother, who has had breast cancer. It isn't. It's, it's actually quite a, a, a dangerous thing to do. It can be. It's a serious thing to oh to, to do. And I think really that um, that should have been looked at at the time. Yeah. And it was only last year I really discovered how serious that was. But moving on, then I was told or I was advised to go for surgery, some exploratory surgery. I went for that and again, very painful and there were a couple of other procedures done at the same time. 
And it was after that that my consultant, who I had originally when my son was born, told me there was only ever a 3% chance of getting pregnant in the first place. And I kind of felt, you know, this was something I should have been told at the start. I I do feel when we went for all those appointments with the, the staff in the clinic that they should have spelt that out a little bit more. The very first day when we met them there, they said um, we're going through a couple of different things. You know, this could be a long process. As I said, they mentioned the counselling in a half finished sentence once. And they also said uh, there's a high, high probability that fertility treatment can result in having twins. Are you happy with that? And we were thrilled. And on a number of occasions that was mentioned. Mm -hmm. And I felt and I'm not saying they did this, but I felt we were being given the impression that uh, we could have twins, yeah. which would have been, we would have been delighted with. And the other thing I do remember in the wall in a couple of the offices in the uh, in the clinic, you had all these beautiful photos of babies. And I'm delighted for the families and the parents who who went through a very successful treatment and were very successful. But you had uh, all these lovely photos. So you're sitting there looking at all these lovely photos of cute babies. Some parents every year on the birthdays would send them in. So you had twins at one, two, three, four yeah. years of age. Lovely photos and delighted for the parents, obviously. But the impression you got is that this was a a very high success rate treatment, Mm -hmm. which it isn't at all. And I think that was one of the things that I found really upsetting about the whole process. I think it's really brilliant what you're doing, talking about that. This podcast is really all about kind of honesty at the heart of things. It's about talking about things that are difficult in our lives. And obviously it it tends to be about grief and losing someone, although there's so much grief in in infertility and there's so much grief in the process. Um, But talking about the honest look at and and not and not delivering false hope. um, Do you feel like if they had managed your expectations from the start and really gave you a lot of information about the realities of what was about to come that it would have been a completely different story I, I think so I, I, I do believe that certainly and I think it's like anyone going in for any kind of elective procedure you know if you go in for something like eye laser treatment which I did a year or so later you, you expect a, a full 100% success rate yeah. but there are other treatments out there people may go and, and have done and their consultant may often say to them this may or may not work or yeah. it'll be a slight improvement or a bigger improvement and people's expectations aren't raised beforehand and I did feel that that's what they did at the time they never said this to us to be honest and there was more of an emphasis on the fact oh you do know fertility treatment leads to twins more than more than you know it, it, may, it may never happen yeah. for you I never knew there was such a thing as I said as secondary infertility mm. and there was an assumption if you have one you'll always be able to have more. Of course. Um, I think for, for us as well, I then found, and I think, again, I never ident- I never realised other people went, went through this, you are kind of putting things on hold because even something as basic as getting your car yeah. changed, you're going, oh, well, there'll be babies next year. You know, you're planning holidays, anything like that. You're yeah. trying to, to work around that. At the time, my son was just gone five towards the end of the the, the whole phase of, of this treatment for me and he was asking about brothers and sisters yeah. and he sadly had invented brothers and sisters yeah. and this was going on and what I found very difficult there was I couldn't tell him if he was going to have brothers or sisters or not I didn't want to yeah. tell him you're going to yes be an only no, child of course, yeah. and that was very very difficult as yeah. well because he was inventing these people in imaginary siblings but I think that that was one of the most difficult things the kind of false expectation that that one has Um, I think that a lot more could have been done in relation to explaining how 
the treatment works and the different types of drugs involved and all of that as well. That yeah. that didn't happen either. So I think that process, I, a lot more work needs to be done there. The other issue on that as well, my understanding talking to friends uh, at the time and since then, um, is that each clinic has different kind of their own code of practice. Okay. And although certainly from a, a, a medical clinical point of view in relation to the medical side of it, yes, obviously there are certain mm-hmm. guidelines that have to be adhered to, but they seem to have their own different way of doing things in relation to mandatory testing and all that kind of thing. Um, can I ask a question? I'm American, so there's some certain parts of the Irish system that sometimes I don't know. And feel free not to answer the question, but these clinics are private, are they? Yes. Yeah, so they're private and therefore, like you're saying, they can kind of run as they wish to a certain extent as per clinic. Does the price vary a lot in in them? And is that, I mean, I hate to to put it this way, but an expensive thing. It's an extremely expensive thing to do. I think sometimes people look at how many rounds of, say, for example, IVF. I never got that that far in in, in my case. And they look at the rounds, I think it was 4,000 euro per round. But you're talking, first of all, a consultation to start with. You're talking blood tests and they could Mm -hmm. be 70, 80 euro each time. Ultrasounds, all of those add up before you even get anywhere near uh, going for the actual round of, of IUI, IVF. So it can be. Yeah. It can be an expensive process. And if the first time, if it fails, you could be going back for a number of other rounds at, at, at a couple of thousand euro. And I think that that was one of the reasons, to be honest, why I suppose I spoke out a little bit on this last year. Um, I think it was, there has been regulation in relation to fertility treatment promised and legislation in relation to to treatment Mm. promised by the current Taoiseach Mm. when he was Minister for Health. This was being brought in and it would mean that women would have a medical, free medical treatment in relation to to, to fertility treatment. And this never happened. And I was quite alarmed to hear that some women were putting treatment off, waiting to see if if this was going to come in. And you cannot... Wait, it, it isn't, again, I don't want to to kind of um, be flippant in relation to someone maybe getting a, a knee replacement or a hip replacement or something. This isn't something that you can maybe put off for six months mm. if it's going to be free as opposed to forking out thousands yeah. now for it. You know, if it's going to be free in, in, in six months time or a year's time, this isn't something where you can get all the the preparatory work done and mm-hmm. go in on a certain date and have the procedure carried out. Yeah. This is um, something that can take months before you can actually start the whole process anyway. And it could be months and months of tests and scans before you even start anything. Mm-hmm. And I think for women to be given the impression that if they hang on there it, and it will be free in a couple of oh, the, a year's yeah. time, I think is, is a, wrong, a wrong thing to do. I do welcome legislation. Of course. But at the same time, I do think that they need to Definitely, without a doubt, not give people a certain deadline as to mm-hmm. when this will come in and not give women the impression that they have to hang on there waiting to see if they can get this for free. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And obviously, if they take the financial element out of it, it becomes, it feels slightly less manipulative in the sense that... It, it does. It you does. know, a little bit because obviously there's an honesty in the process a little bit more. There is, yes. But when it comes to the counseling, I think that... Mm. That's such an important thing that you brought up from the very beginning of this um, interview. And that is we're still really not great at it in terms of um, women's health. I think we struggled a lot with when it's appropriate, making people feel comfortable. Yes. Because like you said, the way that it was kind of delivered, you probably weren't going to jump at it and say, yeah, you know what? I think that might be a good thing for us as well Mm. Um, because it was sort of flippant and it wasn't really... Mm suggested or encouraged no, no um there's so many areas you know even in in cancer and in death and where people really do need emotional psychological help and this is another area that i think women are expected to be so strong all the time you mm. might guess from this that i'm a pretty insane feminist but <laughs> i don't feel like we're looked after enough when it comes to these things and that we're, we're meant to be so strong all the time and counseling, when you're going through treatment like that, especially when it's not working and you're trying different things and you're going through something so difficult, like losing your mother at the same time, they really should have been holding your hand along the way. I think so, but that wasn't an option. And yeah. I really felt that, as I said from the outset, that you went in the way you would go in to a clinic to get any other elective procedure done. You go in and you're filling out the forms and they'll talk you through it. And then you, you know, you come back again on another date. And mm. there was that kind of a process there. And as I said, there was never any mention at all of how low the percentage was and how low the probability was Mm. that I would get pregnant in the first place. That was the first thing. And secondly, I would have had grave concerns and I think that should have been noted at the time that, you know, my mother did have breast cancer. She'd had it in the past. And at the time, as it happens, she was was dying with breast Mm. cancer. And alarm bells should have rung there that I was being given very, very high doses of oestrogen, which I really shouldn't have been. So there were two issues there I felt that went kind of unnoticed. And I really think at the time they should have perhaps done a lot more in in, in relation to that. As I said, you know, if they want to talk about the positives, yes, of course, they have great success stories. I don't know what the percentage of the overall women who were treated. I don't know what the percentage was there of of, of those success stories. You know, were they, you know, five in 100 or five in 10? I'm not sure. But certainly there were success stories, but they I think the people who weren't as successful were very much overlooked. But wouldn't that be good to know? I mean, like from the first day, this is our success rate. Immediately. That that didn't come into it at all, as I said. no. And when you're a private business, maybe that's not. No, and I did feel there was a little bit of, you know, it is a private business. And Mm -hmm. certainly, as I said, the blood tests, the scans, all those things do add up, the consultations and all of that. Um. I'm not likening this exactly, but I lost my parents in my 30s, which was a pivotal time in terms of career and children and all those kinds of things. 
it changed the course of my life, I think. You know, both of them had cancer. So it was like caring for them and all the grief after and worrying. When these monumental things are happening, you know, and you're losing a parent at the same time, it can be very difficult to do It is very difficult. And one is kind of distracting from another in one way, but at the same time, it is difficult. And at the time, I think my biggest regret was that I spent so much time going to this clinic and coming back and in and out for tests and being monitored and all of that. And at the time, my son then, as I said, who was five, would stay with my dad, who could have been with my mum. I could have been with my mum. She got wonderful care in Black Rock Hospital. Um, We were very, very lucky because she had her own room. We were able to come and go. And and that that was a a blessing as well. And we all, most of us anyway, lived reasonably close by. And and that that made a huge difference also. But it was difficult that way. And she was very concerned as well. She really hoped for me that she would have loved to have had another grandchild. And she hoped for me that that our son would have another, you know, a a brother or sister. And I remember she'd often phone me from the hospital on the days I'd go to appointments and that kind of thing. So I think that was one thing that um, I felt was was very, very difficult. But in one way, looking back, one distracted from the other. I do remember, I think people often ask me, well, when did it kind of dawn on you that you have to kind of move on more than you know more than anything else at the end of at the end of all this treatment at the end of everything that happened and I suppose for me it was at the end of junior infants my son was going in he was in junior infants at this stage and I always remember in junior infants the fun of going you know the first day at school and all of that and I was looking forward to having another another baby or twins and they'd be going through their first day at school and all these milestones as well. And my mum died in August, bank holiday weekend, after we kind of knew at that stage that the treatment would, were finding out that it wasn't going to work. And the month's mind was the first week in September on a Sunday. And I'll always remember that Monday, which was the first day back at school for my son and senior infants, turning up and literally after the month's mind, getting the bad news from the clinic and seeing all the new children coming into junior infants, some of them little brothers and sisters of his pals. And that's when it really dawned on me, I won't be going through this again. I'll never be going through another first day at school again. And I think that was the first day it hit me and I knew, look, I really have to, I'm in my 40s now, Mm. I have to move on and that's it. In relation to, I think you asked me earlier about my son, I think one of the difficult things at the time was the attitude towards only children mm. that existed. I used to get um, kind of uh, questions asked when, when he was quite young, you know, does David have brothers and sisters? Oh, the, isn't that a poor thing? He must be lonely. He doesn't look spoilt. That that kind of yeah. thing. Now I think people know not, not to say yeah. anything else, you know, that's I it. think that's really changing and it I'm is, really, really is, glad yes. about that. Yes. Um, it is, I yes. think um, so many of, of um, my friends and family are so happy with their one child for a variety of reasons that they yes. can't have others, whether it's choice or it's an infertility situation or it's a lifestyle situation. But I think that they have lots of friends who are only children as well that's now. Right. And that's really yes. becoming more common. It is now. Um, I do yes. understand though. I think the questions, yes. those inappropriate questions that really yes. throw people off, yes. you know, they still... Yeah. Yeah, I think what happens really is that if someone, you meet a couple and they don't have children, you don't want to yeah. pry into it or ask anything else, obviously. But I think in a case where it's one child, people assume there's a, sort of a selfishness there that you decided yeah. not to have any more. And that <laughs> it couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah, you know, that that's the course. situation with us, certainly. Um, where do you feel you are at with this now? Like, 
emotionally now that you're on the other side of this process where when you're looking back at it all how do you how are you feeling now I feel we were very, we were very lucky. First of all, with uh, our son, as I said, that that was totally unplanned. We were delighted with with, with him, obviously, and um, it. I just feel that we, you know, we, we moved on at the time we had to. I think what really upsets me more than anything else is years and years later, like that was ten years ago now, the legislation isn't brought in. I see women now waiting till treatment is available free from the health service so that they won't have to pay for a private clinic and for a lot of people they can't afford it. Uh, People putting off having children because they feel there's treatment there afterwards when they're older. Uh, One really worrying story last year in the Irish Independent was a story where women could freeze eggs in their 20s and 30s so that they could then get pregnant when they're when they're older, and there is still a strong risk of not being able to get pregnant if they do that. Yeah. It may work out for them, it may not. So all of those things I need I think need to be out in the open a lot more. And as I said, length of even the length of the duration when you're looking for treatment mm. as well, even going privately need, need, needs to be examined as well. So I think that's what we're looking at now, and of course the medical implications if there is a history of breast cancer, high doses of estrogen will not work or should not work, you know, will, will not work for, mm. for everybody. There, there are some health issues also that should be looked at as well. So there are a number of things I think that need to be examined now that I feel haven't been done. And I'm quite amazed that 10 years on that very little yeah. has been done. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm, I'm speaking out about it now. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Sasha. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 